Welcome to Alone in the Boondocks. My name is Andrew. And my name's Tyler. Tyler, do you feel like when you were a kid or a, or a teenager, pick an age. You pick an age right now. I would say 14 to 17. Four, that's not an age. That's three it's ages. It's an age range. Sorry. Sorry. It's I pick four the, ages. the median 15 and a half. Okay. When you were 15 and a half years old, would you call yourself uh, a defiant person? Like, do you think that if you think back to that time, and clearly it's clouded by the, you know, almost decade and a half since we've been that age. Um, yeah, I know that hurts. Do you? Would you have called yourself of all the adjectives that you might have ascribed to yourself? Would you have? Would you have called yourself defiant then, or looking back, would you say, yeah, I was a defiant kid? No, I was undoubtedly the most undefiant kid. I really just went with the flow. Like I was never. A bad kid. I never got into any trouble. The most trouble I ever got into was playing cards in our French class, and I got detention. And I was such oh, not wow. a bad kid, my mom made fun of me for getting detention for that reason. She says, who gets detention for playing cards? Yeah, nice. Well done. That's it. That's literally, I, I have done nothing bad. I have gotten one ticket. That's it? Yeah. I thought I think you have more than one ticket. No, I only have one. Yeah, I've gotten uh, in a few accidents that weren't weren't okay. The one was technically my fault, but it's not really my fault. But that's just another. We're not a, talking about the legal system this week. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we want to talk about defiance this week specifically because. Um, you know, we can't really take a break from talking about things COVID nineteen related because th- that's just what our world seems steeped in right now that is Um, the news yeah yeah um so i mean i think that it's important that we when we explore the notion of rural defiance that we also cast some of that on ourselves too because i mean i i 100 believe you that when you were 15 and a half you would have said no i'm not defiant i'm i'm a i'm a good kid i would have said I'm defiant, and I would have—I would have been really edgy about it. I'm gonna—I'm gonna be honest. Any defiant moment I would have had would 100% have been with you. Yeah, but no doubt thing, about it. You introduced is, me to skateboarding in punk rock. That was. <laughs> yeah, but that—I mean—that's almost the end of the defiance for us, right? Like, I think. Well, there was there was the one time we passed that older kid walking down the road near your house. And he had a beer and he just gave it to me. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just stood on the sidewalk trying to choke down a, a beer. It was now, a, it was a Coors Light, by the way. Oh well, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I don't drink those now. Uh, I, I mean Coors Light, not beers. Um, <laughs> beer, beers. Uh, <laughs> this guy loves beers. Yeah. But I would have defined myself as a defiant kid. But then if you would have said, like, do you do you love your mom, right? I would have been like, yeah, I love my mom. Of course my I love mom my mom. My mom is the best. And your mom is yeah. the best, so. Yeah. Uh, but And that's the thing, too, is, like, my defiance towards her would have been, like, breaking rules. Because we, we wanted to make movies and we wanted to ride in the back of trucks and we wanted to. Ooh. We uh, were We were habitual truck riders. Yeah, I mean, and we thought, too, to a degree, I mean, Jackass was really big at this time, and we thought that a lot of the stuff they did was hilariously groundbreaking, 
in retrospect, it's still pretty funny. In retrospect, just hilarious. Maybe not yeah. groundbreaking, just <laughs> hilarious. Right. And, I mean, it's it's definitely that thing. I'm sure there's a thing now that we look at younger kids and we're like, oh, that's so stupid, right? Like, that's what that's what our parents saw us watching and we're like, what? This is ridiculous. Why are they doing this? Um, so we did that kind of thing. And, I, and for that reason, I would have said I was defiant. And I would have said I was defiant in terms also of um, – I would say that when we were in school, like I, I was an ex- I was an extremist in terms of like there were very few shades of gray for me, right? Yep, I can I will I will attest to that with you. Um, so I either I either loved a person, right, or I hated a person, and that is not a healthy mindset by any th- means. That is not I a good way to the, live your uh, life. I think the bowl of hate made might have been a little bit bigger back then than the bowl of love. Right. And 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 in that way, I thought of myself as defiant. In retrospect, I think it was mostly typical teenage angst. I mean, there's there's definitely a a a, a bent of atypicality to it. I think my freshman year I drew an anarchy symbol on everything I owned, but I did not draw <laughs> I did not draw anarchy symbols on things I didn't own, which really kind of proves that it was a it was a um, it was very much a, a thing for show. But I didn't know that. Like to me, that was intrinsic to who I was at that time. Right. This is this is anarchy for my notebook, not anarchy for this yeah. wall. Right. Yeah. Uh, not anarchy for my algebra book. Not like it was it was anarchy oh. from it was anarchy for my trapper keeper. No, we would never vandalize our algebra books no just other people's <laughs> uh, um but i i think too i felt defiant in terms of some of the um some of the notions that we were given even from some teachers would you agree yeah i, I we we had a teacher who was pretty well renowned to just uh, tell very tall tall tales the tallest of tales um you're mouthing it to me right now. I can't tell you're mouthing. I can't tell you're mouthing. So there was this epidemic in the '80s. Is it real or not real? Oh, uh, he, no, he's not the one I'm talking about. Okay. Um, we can we talk should... about it later. Okay. Uh, so no, I, we there w- without going into specifics. There were just some teachers who I felt like um, were very much doing. That we're very much into indoctrination and not education, which is something that I have been accused of already at this point in my career as a teacher. So I think, um, and I, I could, I would defend myself, and I can provide the exact context and yada yada. See the footnotes; it's not actually there. Don't look at the footnotes; there are no footnotes. Um, but but to me, you know, that was I, I saw other people eating that stuff up wholesale. Uh, because you're supposed to be able to trust and, and learn from your teachers without, um, like we don't we don't do a good job in public education of teaching critical skills of fact checking or trying to determine the veracity of a narrative being offered to you by an authority. Uh, but I thought I was good at that. Right. Uh, yeah. I I mean that's where we differ incredibly. Like if a teacher told me something, I was like, of course it's true. It has to be true. They're a teacher. They don't lie. I also didn't think teachers like went out on the weekends and did stuff either. I was that yeah. kid. It was like, they're not going to go drink with their friends. You're teachers one of the ones don't who, have friends. 
Are you one of the ones who, what, you, when you would run into them in the grocery store, you would just back away slowly, hoping they yeah. didn't see you? Hey, hey, uh, hey. And then just run away. Yeah. That was me, yeah. Um, I still do that. Even if I see one in the wild now that I had in high school, I'm just like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so. They're like, you can call me by my first name. I'm like, okay, Mr. So-and-so. And then I would just walk away. Yeah, that was that's definitely a big hump to get over is breaking the the Mister or Misses and calling yeah. them. You know, I literally call nobody else Mister or Misses, just old teachers. Yeah, that's well, how that's, uh, that's how undefiant I am. No, that's they how were... defiant you are. You don't you don't address people by their surnames. <laughs> you're, you're so defiant, you go for familiarity. Um, I, I bring up the point of our own defiance because I feel like. When I left the area for the first time, and I don't mean like I literally was in a cloistered community <laughs> and I never left the area, but I mean when I when I got to step out into the, the rest of the world and spend some time out there uh, by myself and try to make, you know, uh, understand what was heads from tails, especially at college, I feel like I ran into, um, I ran into having to understand Shades of Grey. I, I realized that it wasn't just um, this person is good and will always do good to you. They always tell the truth. They are always a person of integrity. They always pursue justice. And instead, I learned that um, a person can be like a really good, sweet, kind-hearted person, but also um, kind of be a coward or um, manipulative, backstabbing. Or, or, yeah, I mean, I think that there are there are there are really good people who also are naturally manipulative. Um, and for that reason, I mean, that made me question some of the things that I that I did accept wholesale, that I was not defiant towards in high school, and realize, oh, that teacher who I thought was perfect and never, you know, was unerring, um, is also a human being who you know, was wrong from time to time or, or, or didn't always operate on the best judgment. Again, nothing dramatic, right. you know, or you, um, or you have some that have their, their own personal agenda at the end of the day, where if they believe this way, they're going to maybe steer you in that direction as much as they're maybe not outwardly trying to, I mean, you're going to say this as opposed to this based on what you believe. I mean, it's bound to happen. It's hard to stay. Yeah. Totally neutral right. in most scenarios. Yeah, I mean, can 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 you ever have a? I, I would challenge you. Try to try to be as objective as humanly possible and have a conversation with another person. Uh, at some point, even if it's a nonverbal cue, you're going to have something that implies your your feelings or beliefs on the topic you're discussing. Right? We're we're even seeing this arise. Um, in computer science right now with machine learning when we're trying to teach like robots that are uh able to to um like go through airports and determine you know who looks suspicious or something like that you can you can't put in an objective subset of this is what makes an uh, a suspicious person without effectively giving up your own bias right yeah. you, you can create a robot that follows a set of parameters and those parameters while maybe not intentionally so can be completely racist or completely sexist or uh, and and we see that happen in a lot of cases because artificial intelligence isn't you know quite advanced enough yet 
Um, Do you know what my uh, my robot would look for? Anybody who wears a NASCAR team jacket that's not actually officially part of a NASCAR team. That's an advanced are... robot if it can look for that <laughs> and also fact check whether they are a member of an actual NASCAR team. Wait, is that a Kyle Busch team member or is that just a fan of his? <laughs> that's a fan of his. Check him. He's got a gun. <laughs> I yeah I, I don't know what I would tell it to look for I think that's very difficult and I think that's the the yeah the obviously big... that was just a joke for anybody who's actually no. listening to this <laughs> I, I think only people have, know you were joking I only have beef with IndyCar team members not NASCAR NASCAR is America's sport uh, but I, I mean I, I want to recognize our own our own defiance towards things because then when I left this area I, I learned that. I was oftentimes not defying the world at large. I was defying my my community, my subset, my my rural uh, culture that I was steeped in, and I found that that itself was in defiance, largely of um, a, a significantly more pervasive national or even international um, way of going about things. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um. And I think now that we've seen the way people have chosen to respond to COVID-19, there was just another rally in Harrisburg today. Um, there did you rally- see, did, I'm sure you've seen the update that 13 more counties are now going to be moved to yellow on the 22nd? Yeah. Which is, when's the 22nd? Um, just uh, next week, right? Next Friday? Yeah, it's Friday of next week. Which, and again, uh, it's, it's a calculated decision that I... Uh, uh, I, I trust the person, the people who are making this decision, not because I oh, trust that makes, every... that makes one of you. Nobody else yeah, seems yeah. to... Never mind. R- r- no, you're, you're right. Go ahead. I Oftentimes, when I read things on the internet, you, you had said about physical cues of somebody's maybe upsetness, which is not a word, uh, <laughs> based on somebody saying things. And mine is currently the fact that I roll my eyes so hard, sometimes I feel like I'm going to black out. Because yeah. my eye, I go straight Undertaker, early 90s, where I have the eyes in the back of my, you just see the whites <laughs> of my eyes. And it's terrifying for people around me because they don't know if I'm having a seizure or what's going on. But it's really just my general disgust yeah. for these people that don't understand the serious nature of what's going on yeah and and i think too like the defiance has risen out of so many different places amongst our neighbors um the the number one and the one where we've talked about at length now in the past uh at least two episodes if not all three is the conspiracy theory folks and and honestly i feel like to a degree so much of the conspiracy theory thing is almost defiance for defiance sake at this point. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, it used to even be like a joke amongst some of these people to like laugh about the very, um, anti-state libertarians who would call you sheeple, right? The Alex Jones viewers, uh, who would use the term sheeple or sheep or tell you that you're drinking the Kool-Aid or anything like that. Um, it's not that we believed that people were incapable of groupthink. Clearly they are. Clearly we do have people who fall into cult-like structures and, and go about things unquestioningly in both parties, frankly. Um, but it, it was still this thing that most of the populations seemed to be able to re- make reference to and joke about, right? Um, that, that, that there was this, this, uh, 
portion of tinfoil hat wearing folks who would who would call you a sheep because you uh, you know you drank store bought orange juice and that the the orange juice is killing you because they keep it in big tanks for a year and then they put preservatives in it and it's 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 not good for you. You need to but rub, there are a lot of other things that aren't good. You for need you. to rub potatoes on your feet to get all the toxins out of your body. What you need to do is yeah. slice a potato, put socks on, and then make sure. And when you wake up, those potatoes will turn black because of all the toxins being taken out of your body. Not because of oxidation. It's because of toxins. Right. And, yeah, this goes into the whole anti-vax thing, flat earth, chemtrails, 9-11 truthers. I mean, these people are – and if you look – if you, I mean, again – I have not looked up a study recently. I'm not citing anything specific, but if you know any of these people, you you know that these are people who are generally difficult to begin with, right? They're they're difficult to be with. They're difficult to have a conversation with. God forbid you should be in a relationship with one of these people. Generally, um, often refer to themselves as free thinkers. Free thinkers, individualists, and I used to call myself I, I when I was so you know when I was a much more difficult person. Not that I think I'm an easy person to be with now, but uh, side note, you're not. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, I remember I remember when Facebook was new and there was a thing that said political affiliation. I remember putting independent thought, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's next level. That'll really. Where, uh, and it said like, where can I put it, an it, like, anarchy symbol on my Facebook? Because it's my Facebook. Yeah, right. And under religion, I put like spirituality, not religion. Uh, Facebook was super just, edgy when it first came out. It was, and it also you could it would ask you every question under the sun, and you could choose to tell it literally everything about yourself to make it public on your profile. Um, so those aren't necessarily the people, I guess, that I, I want to talk about today, but it's the people who are not defiant for defiance sake, but defiant because if they weren't defiant against what uh, the tide coming in from the rest of the world or from the capital or from the government or from science or from uh, different anything, anything, any of the other, if they weren't defiant towards that aggressively then they would have to ask questions about their own way of thinking. And again, I don't think that most people are knowingly ignorant, but I do think that we oftentimes have this built-in defense system for our own philosophies and beliefs that prevents us from asking questions that might lead us to realization that we are doing something wrong, um, or dangerous to like I, I I would I would put money that if most people had the full even the simplified explanation of what climate change is that they wouldn't say well no that's clearly not that's that's not true because of this if they still deny it they're denying it because they're recognizing that we are all part of that problem um, now by and large by and large, uh, pollution uh, that is contributing to global warming is massively produced by a few corporations. Um, don't get me wrong, I think that we as individuals should try to live green as well, but it, it, it's a drop in the bucket that, you know, we don't use paper towels anymore. It, yeah. I tried to explain that to, you know, I, I don't mind it anymore, I get, it's fine, but when my wife decided that we were done with paper towels, I'm like, we're not saving the world by doing this. I, like, even if the entire rest of our state or the entire eastern seaboard stopped using paper towels, we're talking about 
microscopic change, especially in terms of climate change. That's what we're talking about with paper towels is literally just saving landfill space. Um, yeah, if well, if climate change is real, Drew, why do we still have winter? Yeah, great question. There yeah. was a there was there was a congressman who brought a snowball to the to the house floor uh, to say, you know, they say climate change is happening, but here's a snowball. Uh, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. How did bud. they bring the snowball in though? Like, was it fresh from outside, or like, I, did he bring it in in a cooler? <clears throat> I have to look up the clip. I think he brought it in a baggie. Uh, snowball, Congress. That's dedication, too. Like, if he was like, look what I got outside, guys. Climate change uh, isn't real. I found the snow outside. It was Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma brings a snowball to the Senate floor. Oklahoma's got a um, lot of issues. Joe Exotic, um, climate change deniers. Yeah. Their state looks like a soup pot. Yeah, he just has it in a bag. He just he just brought it in in a gallon bag. I would have respected it more if he would have brought it in in his hands. Guys, snowball. Um, snowball, well, guys. I think he's doubled down and bringing it in in plastic to, you know, really <laughs> send that message that he doesn't buy it. He doesn't buy climate change. Plastic is harmless. Um So So I I mean, what examples of defiance are you seeing right now amongst our people? One of the craziest things to me is how it seemed like two weeks ago. It was It's really just been like a flip of the switch. Like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I feel like everybody was like, okay, if we if we stay inside, if we work together, this will be over before we know it. And then it was like present day, it's like everybody's like, I can't be quarantined anymore. What are they not telling us? They're lying to us about it. I'm like, it's been like two months. Like it's not been that long. Like, yeah. there's plenty of things. Like, just get a different hobby or something. Just just do something different. Like, I get it. Maybe I'm just a homebody and I just like to be at home. But, like, it's honestly not been terrible. And there's way no. worse than You could literally have a life-threatening disease causing you to be in the hospital for two weeks. Or, you know, you could just stay at home for a couple extra weeks. Yeah. And, again, I think that has a lot. Like, they, they in our areas, a lot of people haven't seen it they you know what i mean they, they haven't seen you know uh the crowded hospitals they haven't seen uh you know people struggling for their their last breath as they're intubated um and i don't mean to say that that you know the folks of our neighborhoods need to need to see things to believe in them because frankly it seems like there's a lot that is is not able to be you know, proven or um, given a whole lot of uh, obvious, direct, empirical credence to that they can still find a way to believe in. I, I mean, for, first and foremost, why, why do they believe that Donald Trump has their best interest at heart? Like, I truly, I, I, I've seen nothing that expresses that tangibly. Um, except that he's been able to take advantage of that fear of the other that we've talked about in past episodes. Uh, and it makes them, def- like, despite the fact that, you know, the president is no longer Barack Obama, the president is this guy that uh, had this heavily astroturfed campaign that they feel like they were a part of, and now he's president, and you know, he's going to do all those things that he promised against all those people who were hurting us. I mean, his entire message was steeped in defiance. 
um, when he promised to quote unquote make America great again. Yeah. And what he set about doing from the beginning was working against every bit of progress that past presidents had made. I mean, I just can't think of a better example of defiance embodied than Donald J. Trump. Oh, and, and oh you must be angry at him. You used his middle initial. I did. I know. I know. But like Donald J. Trump, I feel like his main campaign and like the people who instantly joined his side were like, "He represents me." Donald Trump yeah. represents me. A man with literal billions of dollars does not represent any small community in this world. This man could literally yeah. just buy out your town and destroy it if he wanted to. Yeah. Buy out all the properties in your town and say, "Hey, I'm going to build." A Trump warehouse here, and would those those people would still be like, he's probably right. We should probably do that. Yeah, and I mean that's the that's the you know that you, like you said they, he says I'm just like you. They say he's just like me. Um, and now it's now it's the us, the few us, the real Americans who understand what the evil is that's out there. He's giving us voice. He's driving back the darkness. He's doing these. And so instead of it being, you know, um, uh, we have millions of people who are uninsured or underinsured in the United States, we want to offer them health care coverage, right? There's no us versus them there. I mean, you can make it an us versus them and say, you know, the billionaire class is taking advantage of you and charging you for everything you do when you need any type of medical uh, treatment whatsoever, that they're price gouging you on your insulin for your diabetes, that they're like it, on and on and on. You can you can make it that and, it, and it, it makes it more moving. And I think Bernie Sanders understood that and took advantage of that. But it wasn't turning an entire other group of people into your adversaries. Yeah, right. that's really what it is. He's turned, I mean, at the, at the greatest, we'll say, he's turned 50% of people into, like, you know, I've seen the coronavirus be uh, associated with a zombie apocalypse, and it seems like the regressive side may be the zombies of the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Just, I mean, that, I mean, defiance to the, I mean, I'm even, I'm even seeing some folks who are on, who are, who are more progressive, who are more left-leaning, saying you know, we've got to open up. They they don't care about small business owners. They're letting us die. And, and clearly they're not, I mean, I'm not saying no one has starved to death in this. Clearly this has been a, a crisis of mental health. Clearly this has been a crisis for substance abuse. Um, we don't really, I guess, know what suicide numbers are. I've seen projections that when we come out of this, we're going to see that suicides were significantly higher as well. Um, I don't mean to say that people aren't suffering in quarantine. I get that I get that we absolutely are. I get that I'm speaking from a position of privilege. But if you were a person who was able to open a small business to begin with, you were a person who 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 already donned a certain level of privilege. You know, the poor working class don't get to own their own business. It is prohibitively expensive to start your own business. So if you're in that ship to begin with, uh, congratulations, you've kind of already won a bit of the lottery. Um, that being said, I, I, I'm a hundred percent for small business owners. Um, but we're seeing, 
some of them now say it's got to end. Well, why does it ha- why does it have to end? Because I'm not making any money right now. It things are tough for me. Okay, I get that too. But instead of being defiant of the science and being defiant of the stay-at-home orders, be defiant of the federal government that is supposed to be bailing you out, but is instead giving trillions of dollars to corporations and Wall Street. Why? why? Don't I'm, again. The whole point of this episode is not to say don't be defiant, but check your defiance. Who are you defying, and why are you defying that person? Right. And just a few. If it's, just a few weeks ago, I had seen that. I mean, with me working so closely to the restaurant industry and and a lot of sm- like a, a lot of our business is made up of small business owners, you obviously feel for the people because you don't want anybody's livelihood taken from no. something like this. But we're in a time that literally no. We just, I just had this conversation with somebody at work the other day because I was like, hey, what a weird time for me to take over a new role at my job because nobody has any idea what's going on. Like. It's not like I could look back 10 years ago or ask somebody, hey, what ha- what did you do when we did this the last time? Nothing like this has ever happened before yeah. where we've had to shut things down. And, like, we're not saying, hey, you own a small business, too bad, sorry about your luck. It's not like that. Right. But there's, at some point you have to care about human life more than you have to care about the dollar. And I get that owning a small business is your livelihood and stuff like that, and... It sucks, but you also have to take on the idea that, I mean, at any point of your career as a small business owner, you could lose it. You're you're like one week away from just always shutting your doors for good. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's never a good thing. Yeah, and that, I mean that's uh, I I shouldn't have I I guess maybe I I used strong language there. I I do I do sympathize with them, but to. If, if the decision you're coming to because you're looking at closing up shop is, okay, I now need, I need money, so I need the, the rest of the citizenry to make, to take undue risk to their own health. You're coming, you're coming to the wrong conclusion. Absolutely. You're cut like that. I, I, I know that that is stark and very absolute for me to say that's the wrong conclusion, but it is. I mean, the, at the end of the day, what has to be upheld during this whole thing is, humanity right is is life it's not the dollar ultimately if it is um either my daughter can get sick and suffer or you can close the doors to your business i will close the doors to your business for you you know that's that's how strongly i feel and that's how strongly anyone should feel when it's their family members that being said i don't think that you should be shuttered for this and i think that there are there are plenty of progressive policies that have been recommended that have not caught uh, traction, even amongst uh, mainstream Democrats, to actually be pushed forward that would bail out these small business owners, that that would freeze mortgages and business loans, that would do things that made this much more tenable. And so you would see less defiance because there wouldn't be this outcry from uh, progressive-minded folks who are currently you know, looking at a whole lot of uh, red on their budget. Yeah. And re- um, really what I wanted to get to when I started talking and I completely just circled around it was a few weeks ago, um, actually back in April, I just wanted to pull it up so I could see who else it was, but Ruth Chris, the steakhouse chain, got a $20 million grant to bail them out. Wow. $20 million. Yeah. Which $20 million given to a bunch of small restaurants is... A lot of hundred thousand dollars to a small business, especially in our area, is huge. Yeah. Right, a hundred thousand dollars is 
for a very small business, maybe six months worth of, of revenue. Yeah. And they got $20 million. I also saw that Shake Shack, the chain Shake Shack, also got $10 million, but recently they just returned all of it. Oh, really? Yeah. So well, here it just why? says, it says um, let's see here. Shake Shack is returning its federal bailout check. What about other restaurant chains? It says the burger chain Shake Shack said Sunday night that it will return $10 million loan it got under the federal COVID-19 stimulus program after news that the government's small business assistance program had run out of funds. So yeah. they took Shake Shack and Ruth Chris took $30 million right off the top just for two businesses. Mm-hmm. $30 million, which is more money than, I mean, you and I will probably ever see unless we get really rich. In <laughs> no. And I mean, that, that's an integrity move on, on the, yeah. the part of Shake Shack, I guess, to give that back. Um, but it just, uh, and again, I, I, this is not something that I look at with the same um, uh, loss of hope in, in humanity as I do the, the conspiracy theorists or, you know, any uh, stark racism or anything like that. It's different. It is, it's still, it, ultimately it comes out of a, a, a position of fear and I can, I can, I can 100% sympathize with that. Um, but and I and I, I guarantee that there are times that I have looked at something, been fearful, and come to the wrong conclusion. Uh, I just I just think we have to check that and make sure that while we can be defiant, it cannot be defiant of the well-being of other human beings, right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's and, and, sorry. Go ahead. No, and I, 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 at another level now. I, I mean, you've probably seen the memes now too about like uh, me, an essential worker. You know, this is the amount of money. I, I, I saw a SpongeBob meme. And it was like essential corporations, and it's like Squidward sitting on a. Yeah, no, it wasn't that one. Uh, it was like Squidward sitting on a big pile of money. And then it was like um, uh, people collecting unemployment, and it was a fish, one of the fish from SpongeBob pushing a wheelbarrow full of money. And then it was like uh, me, the essential worker. Then it was like homeless Squidward looking like with his palm up for money. And. Um, I mean, you can make that joke, and it's, I get it. Sometimes it is just a joke. But there are people, again, who are posting and saying things furious at the people who have lost their jobs and are now making more money than they are than the, than the employed people are making at their job. To me, why are we being defiant of the unemployed? Why are we being defiant of the people who have already suffered something pretty major you should be defiant of the people who decided that your wages should be so low. Right. What, like, uh, you and again, I, we just had this conversation the other day. It, it just blows my mind. It, it's When I texted you, it was because I saw an article about a restaurant owner in Baltimore who was just getting ready to open up for curbside and takeout and delivery and stuff, and none of her employees wanted to come back because they were making whatever wages they were. I don't know what unemployment is. Isn't it like half of what you make or three quarters of what you make? I thought. I think when we helped my father-in-law with it, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 60%. 60%. So it's 60%. Yeah. So let's say you make $1,000 a month. You get $600 a month, which, wow, $1,000 is minimum wage, seven twenty-five yeah. an hour. Um, and then you get an additional $600. Like, if I'm making minimum wage and then you tell me I get another $600, 
I mean, I think nine times out of ten, if you're working a minimum wage job, you probably don't like it. You probably get treated poorly there because right. to them you're just another number. They'll fire you and hire somebody who needs the money more than you the next day. You're just easily right. replaceable, and that's a that's a terrible thing to say, but that's how places like that operate. It's, no, uh, you're 100% it's, right. It's a one in, oh, we don't like you or you don't like it too bad. We've got 30 more people that we'll just hire. So if you're telling me I get almost what I make, then another $600, I'm not coming back. I'm staying at home. It, is that I, – I, I wasn't uh, – I didn't think it was that they would get more. I'm saying I thought it was that they get 60% of what it would otherwise be. I thought the decision being made by these folks who are deciding not to come back to work is, well, I'm taking a 40% pay cut, but I don't have to – I don't have to do this crappy job anymore. No, so they're taking a 40%. If, if it is 60% of what they normally make, um, they also get an additional $600 on unemployment right now as a stimulus, oh, oh, okay. As okay. A stimulus program. You. So theoretically, okay. you could be making maybe close to, if not more than what you make already for literally not having to do any work. And, right. And speaking back to being an angsty teenager, think about the jobs you had when you were from 16 to, we'll say, even 20. How many of those jobs yeah. did you love? None. How many Zero. of those I jobs did you wake up every day or, you know, go in at 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock and you're like, man, I can't wait to work today. Or I'm, I feel so fulfilled when I live here, when I live here. When, sometimes it feels like you live there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like I don't blame anybody who's like, I'm not going back. And that's right. undoubtedly – whoever's decision it was to not raise a federal minimum wage. Yep. Yep. You're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, and, and to put that in the context of small business owners too, um, when it first, when it became, you know, the whole notion that, that your workplace has to provide you with health insurance, uh, and a bunch of small businesses were like, we can't make it, we can't do it. Uh, and then that you saw the outcry from business owners against, you know, people demanding that. Let's not make it this. Instead, if we had a single payer healthcare program, you as a small business owner would never have to concern yourself with the insurance of your employees. Instead, that would be a huge th- uh, non-expense for you um, to have to worry about at all. Uh, it's just that misappropriated defiance. I saw. I saw today. Um, there's there's all these news stories out there that Jeff Bezos is moving into position to become the world's first trillionaire. Yeah, I saw trillionaire. that today. That's that's mind blowing. And and on that story, I saw person after person defending him, which just uh, I don't I can't I can't understand it. I can't understand I, I think that it's hard for people to understand mathematically exactly how much money this man has. And there's a I should I I uh I'll find it and mention it in the next episode. There's this really cool um, uh, multimedia website that goes through it's and it shows you how it shows you like what your what the average income of a human being is during their entire lifetime and then compares that to what Jeff Bezos has now. Not even not even talking about what he's projected to make in his lifetime. Uh, and it's remarkable to see it to see it physically like that. When you look at the two numbers between what you make and what Jeff Bezos makes, you're like, ah, it's a couple extra zeros. But those extra zeros mean <laughs> a lot. How much, <laughs> they mean a lot. One trillion is such a big number that I'm not even 100% sure how many zeros are in it. Uh, what's... A million four is... Four sets of... A million is six. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's four sets of four sets four triplicates of zeros for a trillion. That makes me want to vomit. Yeah. Uh, so I, I saw all these people in the comments though defending him, like he earned his money. I actually saw a comment from a person who said that they worked for Amazon in a warehouse right out of school. And they hated the policies there, and they felt like people didn't treat them with respect. Um, and uh, but they made fourteen twenty-five an hour. And yeah, I got fired from there, which they did not disclose why they got fired from there. <laughs> but but yeah, I got fired from there. But it wasn't slave labor, and Jeff Bezos earned every penny. Uh, he, what what? There's literally are... there's literally an article I saw of probably a year or so ago about some guy who went undercover, got a job at an Amazon warehouse, and and compared it to slave labor. Like yeah, well I mean they were peeing in jars and stuff like that because they're not a lot. They have to be the pick packers have to pick so many orders uh, in a day. I think it's per hour, and then they average the whole thing and say and they give you your daily rating. And if you aren't exceeding a certain number over a period of days you're you're done there because yep. they know they've got a line at the door waiting to come take your job exactly because just they what do we, pay just what we said earlier i mean yeah i mean you said what he was making fourteen twenty-five an hour which in pennsylvania I think that's what he said was, in pennsylvania yeah. is literally double the state minimum wage right yeah yeah and that's i mean that's staggering so yeah you're gonna go for that because yeah I, a false equivalence here is that's a huge wage because none of the other places are paying competitively uh but by doing so amazon ensures that they always have turnover and 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 ultimately i mean the corporate structure of the entire united states and i'm not suggesting some you know organized illuminati-esque plot but these guys do talk to each other uh, and while they're in competition, you know, while Walmart and Amazon are in competition with each other, they can also mutually benefit off of each other by not offering something to an employee that is, you know, overwhelmingly favorable in one way or another, right? And and for that reason, then you don't have a flood of employee or uh, Walmart employees rushing to work for Amazon and vice versa, because each place has its pros and cons. But the con at the end of the day is your labor is massively enriching someone else at a disproportionate scale that is sickening. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you can quit and we'll hire someone else in your spot and they're going to do it. And if they question it, they can quit and we'll hire someone else in their spot. This goes on and on. And it's it's sickening to me to see the defiance from this, you know, this guy in particular. I you know, I don't really know him that well or anything like that. Um but to, to see his defiance against Amazon workers who are attempting to unionize or strike or demand, you know, uh, things that in the rest of the developed world are are a, a given in a workplace, um, to see him be defiant towards them and not towards the taskmasters who never have to be affected by this conversation because they hold all the chips, that's that's on that's frightening to me. Like if we get to that point, if 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 we have effectively turned, I, I mean, it's frightening when we talk about working class folks being opposed to immigrants because they think that they're so intrinsically different. But as soon as you've turned the employed working class against the unemployed working class, uh, the billionaires have organized the the greatest uh, dupe of the century. Yeah, you know. 
we, we've spent a lot of time here talking about really bad billionaires and stuff, but I, I do think we should mention somebody who's doing a lot of good for, like, unemployed people. And I don't know if you've read anything about it, but it might come as a surprise. Guy Fieri is okay. a damn dream. Is he a billionaire? He's not a billionaire, is but he, he, billionaire? he does pretty okay. well for himself. Yeah, um, yeah. He has raised over $20 million for struggling restaurant workers. Wow. $20 million since this all started. By just doing yeah, like, I mean, charity events and stuff. And he, uh, I listened to a podcast with him on, and he, uh, when he first came up with the idea and how he wanted to help people, he wanted to like make videos for like large corporations like Pepsi and stuff like that. And he, um, his agent or his publicist or something asked him to send him the video. Once he was done, he's like, Oh no, I'm not going to just make a general video. He's like, I'm making a video for each independent person. I'm sending this to for money for these people. Jeez. Yeah. That's remarkable. Uh, he also, I do know that, uh, he's an ordained minister and has performed, Multiple same-sex yeah. uh, marriages. Yeah, because he had a, a sister who was a lesbian who passed away. I just saw oh, that I the other I day. Didn't, I didn't know his reasoning. I also know during uh, the California wildfires recently that he was he and his restaurants were making all sorts of meals and sending to them. So, yeah, I don't I don't mean that there is a one to one ratio of you're very wealthy, so you are a bad no, person. Right, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anybody but, thought you meant that, but. But that being said, I do think I think inherently to be a billionaire in a world where we have people literally starving to death, I do think that that's unethical. If you have that much money, you can literally save millions of people, and by choosing not to, you know. And I mean, and I can I can hear what people say to that. I've heard it a million times. If you want them to give money towards things, why aren't you? Well, first of all, I won't run through the list of things I do give money to, but. For, you know, again, disproportionate. I don't have these numbers in front of me. If I give twenty dollars to a charity, that uh, that compared to my total net worth, we're talking about millions of dollars from one of these billionaires if they give at that same rate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's so let's just put it let's put it in easy proportions to understand here. If you make forty thousand dollars a year, and you give. A thousand. If you get four thousand dollars, that's ten percent of that income. If you have four million dollars, that's four hundred. Ooh. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. My math just stopped for a second. I'm sorry. I bow out. I can't do it anymore. But still, like. No. But I. Your point stands. Uh, the the wealthier you are, and it and it did, like to a degree. If I if I got a ten thousand dollar raise tomorrow, would I give more to charity? Yeah, I, I think I would. I hope I would. Um, would I also probably live a little bit richer? Yeah, I probably would. At the end of the day, you know, uh, the more money you make, it's, I mean, greed is, a, is an inherent human concept. Uh, we see it in other animals even. So, I mean, it's it's only ever almost been to the, the evolutionary advantage to try to enrich yourself, even at the expense of others. Um so it's not to say that that's not a natural thing, but we also, I mean, other natural things are like stealing and killing I'm really, and doing all these other, I'm really big into stealing actually. Are you? I like to, I mean, these I like are to all... Robin Hood things, steal from the rich, give to the poor. <laughs> well, that, well that, I, I would applaud that, but I mean, any of these other things we can say, oh, it's natural. It's a natural instinct. Well, that doesn't mean anything. The whole the whole point of human culture and society is to try to suppress the animal 
and elevate the human being, uh, suppress the animal so that we can create a community that works for all of us, not just one of us. I mean, in the in the context of science, in the context of of, of uh, natural selection, your your goal was to survive and to pass your genes on uh, to the next generation. Um, my genes have a lot of it, holes in them. I don't think my kids would want to wear them. Oh boy. Yours, yours, uh, <laughs> yours also. I mean, your wife tells you uh, a lot of times. You're not um, so much anymore though that you have a now that you have a child. But she says, Andrew. Don't you be roughhousing in them jeans. Those jeans don't have any holes in them. <laughs> oh, man. If I had a nickel for every time my wife said that to me, I'd have... You'd have enough probably to... A one, probably a nickel or two. I don't know. She's probably said it once or twice. You'd have an, enough uh, nickels to buy a pair of pants without holes in them. No, I wouldn't. Pants are expensive. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, there was... there's There was... There'd not be a time that an animal... The, the whole... And I, you're going to make this a thing about Smaug, and I'm not necessarily referencing him. Um... But the you know when I said in a past podcast that that billionaires are dragons asleep on their piles of gold, my point being, you can only get. I don't know what the level is, and I I, I assume there's a different line for every person. But you have a nominative amount of money that you could possibly spend in your life for your own enjoyment, and once you get past that point, you are now hoarding resources that would allow another person to. A, survive, and B, live out that same level of enjoyment. Now, this sounds like, you know, communist propaganda, I, I'm sure, to some people who want to see it that way. Or, or it sounds like heart, you're an Andrew Yang supporter, just wanting to give everybody the same <laughs> I, I think I think universal basic income was a good idea. The, the caveat was, if you wanted to receive the freedom dividend, you could not receive any other assistance. And that, to me, is a scary thing. Yeah. Um, because I'm again, we as we as, and I, I'm, I'm, I am, I count myself among this, you, you know. But we are as humans self saboteurs sometimes. Uh, if I was told like, you, you know, you're receiving assistance for disability, but it's only X number of dollars, but you could opt to get the freedom dividend instead, you know, that changes the way I live my life. I get this money that seems more desirable, but is it in the long run? You know. Um, but no, my, my point being with the with a dragon on a pile of, of, of gold and gems is are they able to enjoy every single one of those that those gems or uh, every single piece of that gold? Are they are they living a better life? Would would it actually be different to sleep on uh, a smaller pile of gold or maybe a pile of silver or pyrite or right? Like if that can be allocated elsewhere in a way that saves people's lives. Um, I guess that's that ethical debate that can be had. Is it ethical to take money from a person to give to another person to make them survive, to allow them to survive, or is it inherently unethical to take money from another person who, who quote unquote earned it? When we're talking about Jeff Bezos earning money, um, he has never spent time on any of the floors of his warehouse picking and packing uh, boxes. He has never driven a truck that takes the freight from place to place. He's never, you know... He started out pretty wealthy. He started selling books out of his garage on this thing called the internet. It exploded. Did he have a good idea? Yes, he had a great idea. Should people be rewarded for their intellectual property? Yes, they should. Should people be allowed to die simply because they were never given the option to uh, uh, explore venture capitalism? Absolutely not. 
So at the end of the day, I think that truth has to be there. Is, do we value human life or do we value capitalism? You, know, you can value both, but you're going to have to make a decision which one it is. I think, and if your decision... I think at this point it boils down to what side of the fence you're sitting on because it seems like the regressive side supports finances and capitalism more so than human life at this point. Yeah, They're, despite the fact that they, they, by and large, aren't benefiting from that. Right, but it's clearly it, just the leftists trying to shut down the economy to ruin Trump's presidency. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a beautiful, defiant uh, uh, argument, too, that, that somehow they believe that governors who are taking proper precautions are intentionally tanking their own economies so that they can make Trump look bad. Um, what? What? <laughs> I don't... I don't f- that's a level, again, I mean, may, that's less, that gets a little bit back into that conspiracy theory thing. You know what else I've seen people be really defiant about with all of this is in our state, uh, even before COVID-19, it was, uh, I believe, early 2019, it was approved that they were trying to expand mail-in voting uh, for the upcoming. Have you, have you applied for your mail-in ballot? I have the email. I need to do it tonight. Okay. Um yeah, I think you still, I think you have three more days. Um, maybe it's longer than that. It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, I have seen people come out of the woodwork opposed to the idea of, of mail-in voting. Uh, yeah, it's because it's I mean, the Democrats it, just trying to rig the election. Because it, yeah. because it wasn't the Republicans who had anything to do with Russians involved in the last election. Right. I mean, again, the the, the propaganda that is that is arguably brilliantly manipulated by Donald Trump um, all he had to do was suggest he he said on a uh, in an, uh, a press conference um, mail-in voting would be the end of Republican presidencies he said that he said that if we had mail-in voting you would never have another Republican president and you know that was heavily scrutinized by you know CNN MSNBC that they get a lot of money from running these buzzworthy things Um but and it deserves scrutiny clearly. But what what answer do you think you're going to come to? I mean, he he refuses to to expand on certain things, um, so he doesn't expand on this. Instead, his his followers hear that and recognize that you know to be a part. You know, maybe that is true. I don't know. But Donald Trump said it, and I love Donald Trump, so it's got to be true. Um, so why then are they advocating for mail-in ballots? Oh, because they know they wouldn't reelect Donald Trump. Um, I, I think I think we're we're struggling right now with democracy, but you certainly can't call yourself a fan of democracy if you're opposed to expanding voting rights. You know, if if folks who work from you know seven to seven, or 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 God forbid, they have to drive, you know, an upwards of an hour to work, and they and they work you know res- restrictive hours. These are people who might want to vote. But they're they're not going to take a day off work to vote. They still have right. like th- this was part of uh, in this in with Bernie Sanders campaign was was to make voting day a national holiday. Um, and ultimately, I mean, I, I don't see that as a partisan move. You're going to see more Republican voters that way, too. You're going to see more voters in general if people don't have to try to schedule around it. Um, yeah, but the veteran I mean, not the uh, dang it. That ruins the joke. Um 
the Republicans are only going to make their kids not go to school on voter day if they can have off for Veterans Day. Because, I mean, we don't send our kids to school on Martin Luther King Day. Why do they have to go to school on Veterans Day? Yeah, that's that's all, I, uh, yeah, that, that's another level of defiance. They get upset about Martin Luther King Day. I, I, I had it posed to me, why do we no longer have Columbus Day off and instead we have Martin Luther King Day off? Well, let's talk about um, all the things that Columbus did that was terrible. <laughs> let me just, let me, I just imagine you have like a pull-down thing because it's the only way it works the best. You're just like, I had this ready. <laughs> yeah, it's laminated. I can use dry erase markers on it. So the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria came to America in 1492. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, he conti- then he tried to wipe out an entire population of people with disease. And did. Yeah, um, <laughs> that but, was you rolling but, it back up. But but why are I mean like what do you think why why are people defiant why why are we an inherently defiant people because we are too you and I are too to some degree I mean we have things that when we're together we like to pick on we have I mean. I want to say I'm always defiant out of the best interest of of people in general. Um, I'm defiant towards, you know, investment banks that hold and hoard all this wealth. Uh, they buy up your student loans and then they bleed you little by little with predatory interest rates. Um, but I'm also saying that because it's happening to me right now, right? right? I have I have a bias here. But wh- so why does this keep coming up? Why are we always why? And I, and I shouldn't say all of us. I mean, if we talk about, you know, my grandmother, for instance, my grandmother is not defiant towards anyone, really. Like, you know, I, yeah. I do think that there are there are people who are not defiant. But I don't know. What do you think? Why? Are, why? You know, I think I think what it boils down to is some people are more defiant than others because some people just naturally like being told what to do. Like, you're always going to have those people that just, I mean, it's a bad way to describe it, but they're just followers. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's a terrible way to put it, but like, they don't necessarily come up with their own thoughts. They see maybe whatever fits in best with what they think is right. And they're just like, oh, okay, I believe that. And then I think the, the defiance comes from when you're like, okay, maybe I agree with that, but what else do I not agree with that? I mean... There's yeah. there's there's black and whites to everything, and then there's I don't know. You're the good talker. I just make the jokes. No, I think <laughs> I, I think you have a lot. I, I think that there's a lot of inherent truth in that. Um, I think that I think that the the want to follow can be the determining factor for defiance. If you, I mean, like like I said, I think that we have more progressives living in our rural communities than we know about. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to come out, if you're going to come out about that, uh, you are going to inherently have to be defiant at times. Um, there's a there's a news page that I tried to co- I tried to uh, send a link to an article about um, a study that was done because now we have enough evidence about exactly how COVID nineteen affects children. Um, the narrative at the very beginning was, oh, you know, young people and kids, don't be worried. It's not going to hurt you, you know, and, and, and what the, the, the response from science was, um, you should still be worried because you can give it to your grandparents, your parents, you know, yada, yada. It could be much more serious for them. Uh, very shortly after that, they were like, 
oh, well, actually, we're seeing a lot of cases where it can be really bad for young people, too. And now what we have is pretty uh, a verifiable model that the pediatric cases of COVID-19 oftentimes are also associated, associated with the failure of at least two organ systems in a child. If my, if my infant daughter got sick, it would be the, first of all, it would be her first illness. And I recognize too, that she's not been sick because we've been quarantined. And I'm, I am honestly very nervous about when this is over and I have to take her out. Uh, and she has virtually, you know, no, uh, antibodies to any of the common strains that she otherwise would have already been exposed to. I'm nervous about that. But if I had to take her out in this and she got that and two organ systems failed, two organ systems failing in a, in a three month old is, is very possibly fatal. Um, and if not fatal, it very possibly will come with, you know, pulmonary consequences for the rest of her life. It's not, Oh, it was a flu and she got over it. Now, you know, she might have the antibodies to COVID-19 and never get COVID-19 again, but it could have irreparable damage. And, And that article, again, I submitted it to this, this news site without any, um, any comment. It was just, I, I thought it stood on its own. I thought it was valuable. And this, this site purports itself to be news and weather, uh, for our local region. Um, I got the notification that it would have to be approved by an administrator before it was posted. Uh, and so I waited and I waited and about 24 hours rolled by and I checked and it was not there. And I checked my email. I had not received an email about, I I don't know if they send you an email, if they deny your post or anything like that. But I did see in that time, the, uh, one of the administrators of the page posted just a picture of a bunch of, uh, it was kind of grainy. Like it was like a zoomed in cell phone picture of a bunch of police cruisers in an alley and some police like standing at a distance around uh, two men and a woman in front of a house. And the picture was just captioned um, party time in, in the name of this town. Now this town is um, uh, of all the towns in our County known to be an enclave of a lot of our Hispanic citizens. Uh, And the comment section was, full of adversarial defiant rhetoric uh some of it spilling over into obvious direct blatant racism um but i i mean you couldn't really tell from the picture what the the race of the the people really were anyway there was just a lot of assumptions being made but it struck me that on a on a page that will shut down political conversation sometimes even i was trying to share something that i thought was newsworthy was 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 useful um and and clearly i had intent again i don't mean to say that i posted this in an unbiased way i hoped to shut up some of the people who you know don't want to take this seriously but i also hoped to inform them to protect their own children that didn't get posted and instead what we got instead was jerry springer-esque gossip garbage um, with with blatant racism attached to it. Exactly. Um, how how much more defiant towards something can you be? This 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 is in defiance now of 
science. This is in defiance now of, I guess, what you purport to be my political affiliation because I believe in COVID-19. I believe that it's serious. I believe we, we should take precautions. And I believe that we should not stop learning about it because it depresses us. Um, and it's defiant, I think, again, at another level towards, you know, the... <laughs> I, I almost laughed to say it, the journalistic integrity of this website. And it's defiant, again, towards any type of unity we might feel in this county uh, across racial lines. Um, it just, it, it was offered up as a bevy uh, for racist commenters to say whatever they want. Yeah, I am. And that, that was... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish your statement there, sorry. No, and that, and that was the conversation of the night on that page. There, there was nothing, nothing useful was come up with, you know. And people even found a way somehow to insult the governor and the secretary of the Department of Health. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I too I am know. a member of one of those Facebook sites, and I don't know why I did it to myself. It's the reason why. So I also didn't know that since my Spotify account is linked to my Facebook account. The first time I log log on to Spotify on my work account on my work computer, it reactivates my Facebook page. So oh. I just went back into it. I redownloaded the app and I was just like, I'm just gonna not look at things I don't like anymore. That lasted about eight hours, and then I just get back onto the site and I just see. I'm not even gonna be nice about it. Just see the human trash, just not caring about literally anybody but themselves. Yeah. They they make it seem like they care about everybody and all the citizens. They just need to we need to reopen and restart the economy. Well, you know what? You don't have, you know, you don't have an economy when you don't have citizens because you're all dead. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I, I mean that shouldn't be what we have to say to make people realize this. I mean as we as we go to the yellow phase from the red phase here uh, in the next couple of days. Um, people who who demanded we open it i mean i think you're gonna see the economy is still gonna be suffering under this people aren't gonna be i mean some will but i don't think the general population is going to be rushing out of the front door uh you know to come get an ice cream cone i don't see i don't i i could be wrong um i might drive past the ice cream place and see a throng of people you know uh, salivating and kissing each other because because they're so happy that ice cream is there and COVID-19 was all a hoax. The ice cream uh, place near us is open currently. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I may or may not have gotten I, ice cream there already, though. No, it's I look, I'm not demonizing anyone who is comfortable going out and doing things. but I mean, it's I, definitely I, a weird feeling being around people. I yeah. mean, we stayed our distance away from people. We didn't get too close to anybody. I mean, but it's still... It's still really weird. And, like, you get home and you're like, well, shit, should I have done that? Yeah. I, I, I went to a greenhouse today to get uh, the plants for the garden. And even with most of it being open air, I mean, in, I mean, if you're not in open air, you're in a hoop house that has a giant fan at one end, which is kind of weird in and of itself. Yeah, it just but, blows the disease on you. You're fine. Yeah. But everyone was wearing masks. And it was, um, you know, some people were still talking. It wasn't super quiet. I feel like we've been in this long enough and some people have still been, you know, going out pretty regularly that a lot of people are kind of weirdly used to it. You know, it's 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 a new normal, which is a thing that a lot of people have advocated from the beginning. Like, you've got to find the new normal here. Like you like normalize some of this weirdness and it won't as, as soon as you make it normal, it's not weird anymore. Um but it, it, it was still weird, uh, and I actually ran into a coworker while I was there, 
and I said I said her name, uh, you know, hello, and uh, and she said, oh, I wasn't sure if that was you actually. I said, well, yeah, it's weird, you know, it's like we're in the wild west. You can only you can only see the top third of my face, so it does make it difficult. Um, so there's that level, but it's also just I, I think that even if you are advocating for everything to open up and go back to normal, um, I, I don't want to place a percentage on what portion of our our community is. You know, you know, still recognizes this is a serious and dire thing, but I think most people do. Uh, I just think, I, I just think it's very easy to, from the comfort of your own home, say, you know, open it up. I want a haircut. Open it up. I want to. I want to uh, go to a concert. Open it. You know, like, I don't know. We're not going to see concerts for a long time. As a person who had like five or six shows lined up, and I mean, it sucks that it all got canceled and stuff, but obviously, it has to happen. It, we're not going to see. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't play another show until 2021. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the projections suggest that. I mean, I it sucks. Right. I think, but yeah, but I don't see. I don't see that happening. And I mean, yeah, we live in an age where you can literally do anything via the internet. I mean, is it the perfect way to socially interact? No, but it's a way to get out there and talk to your friends and see each other and stuff. You can't physically touch yeah. each other. I mean, I I feel like I'm like with people I know very touchy with people I don't know don't ever touch me <laughs> like yeah. if I don't know you don't touch my back because I'll, I'll hiss at you like a cat <laughs> he does he does do that uh, you know it is interesting because my wife and I were just talking specifically about you and your wife and, and how um, how we're going to handle when things start to loosen a little bit um and you know, like that, we'll be able to see each other, but it would still be wise to like hang out on the front porch or something like that, since it's getting nice. Or and, and to not we we always hug when we say goodbye. We should own that we're huggers. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we won't be able to probably give that hug, um, or even like I mean, like we like to play board games and video games and and stuff like that with each other. Um, and I, I I feel like even if we sat down at the table and played a game together at some point there's like a you, you touch each you know what i mean even if it's like you, your hands brush this sounds like i'm intimating some type of romance <laughs> but like it's just a it's a truth of human interaction you, you like you will touch another person when you're with that person to put the note in your head don't touch that person um i don't know if i can hang out with you for like two or three hours and at the end of it it would still be that alien thing like holy crap i didn't there was no physical contact yeah. between he and i at any point during that you know it'll be great to be able to see the people that we love and miss and hang out with the people that we love and miss but it will still feel alien yeah inorganic something i don't know yeah it'll alien's a great term for it that's exactly it, it it'll be like this bizarro version of normalcy but the new normal is, is what it really is going to be. Like, I mean, yeah. I, and obviously, my wife and I understand that seeing you and your wife is a little bit different than me going to, say, my sister's house because she does not have sure. an infant. Right. Things are a little bit less. I mean, obviously, still precautions are taken. Probably won't be any touching, but like to go hang out there is much different than to go hang out with somebody who has an infant. Yeah. Like, I don't even... I, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing that. 
Right. And that's, I mean, ultimately that's the thing too, is, is, is right now we're starting to have that conversation, right? Because things have, things have reduced to a degree. Yeah. Cause the yellow phase allows groups of up to 25 people, I believe. Right. Which, which frankly, I mean, and, and, and to me, if, if, if your first reaction is, okay, let's have a cookout and I'm going to invite my 24 closest buds, that seems reckless, right? And, I, and, and, that, and ultimately, I think that everyone has to have that conversation where, and because we have, a, a, you know, an infant and, be, you know, um, you have to decide if you're comfortable with it. We, we have to decide if we're comfortable with it. That same thing has to go for, you know, going to visit my grandmother for the first time. Um, at what point... At what point? I'm sorry. I'm burping. I'm not crying. Uh, I'm just trying not to burp right into my mic. Uh, um, at what point am I comfortable? At what point do I feel like there's a reduced enough risk that I can go see my grandma again? You know, um, that we all have to have these really weird conversations about, you know, reaccessing society, and we also have to be prepared. Frankly, and I mean, this is a stark truth of it all. If you're going to wade back out into this, you should also recognize that the second wave is projected in every model. It is coming. And that means that we are going to have to slowly step back as well into uh, you know, increased precautions once more. So it's inevitable at this point, I feel. Yeah. So get your, Any, get your living while you can. While you're in yellow, because yeah. you might be back in red in a week. It could happen. It could happen. I, I do think, and I mean, I, I'll put this on the record. State of Pennsylvania, I think that we are, uh, I think very few counties are going to see green before they see red again. Yeah. I think I think we'll see, we'll see some yellow and then probably go back to red before we see uh, another yellow to green, possibly. I don't know. I could, I, I could very well be wrong, but... Um, to wrap up kind of the, the notion of defiance, I, 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 I'm not saying that defiance is inherently wrong. I don't, I don't know that there is an emotion or, um, or a, uh, a, a, a motivation for action that can inherently be wrong. I think probably acting on hate is wrong. <laughs> um, but to act in defiance is okay as long as we are conscious of why we're defiant and who we're defying. If your defiance is based simply on the fact that you like to be defiant, well, this isn't a conversation that's going to convince you of anything. Right. If you're defiant because you've been convinced by the person hurting you that someone else is hurting you, then you are you shouldn't. I mean, you, then then turn the defiant 180 degrees around and 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 get it at, get that other guy with it. Um, if you're being defiant against injustice, if you're being defiant against uh, the the power hungry, if you're being defiant against clear systemic issues, then defiance is a hundred percent justified. Be defiant. Be defiant. I don't, I don't have a. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a big heavy, a big heavy point at the end of that. I guess, but that was, you know. I think you could really sum it up with defiance for defiance sake. Usually not a great thing, but if you have a, a right to be defiant, and it's not hurting yeah. anybody else. Yeah, 
Hey, I didn't prep you for this, but I thought it would be cool if we start giving like recommendations for like uh, movies or books or albums or something like that. Ooh. Trying to think. And I have mine. I have mine right here, uh, and it it feels really really topical with everything going on. But I read this um, my freshman year of college. It's by Carl Sagan. It's called The Demon Haunted World: uh, Science as a Candle in the Dark. And he, he does an awesome job throughout this entire thing of, and, and again, it's done very respectfully uh, towards religion, and, and I, I think it is. Um, I do think Carl Sagan was an atheist. Uh, but he does a really good job at going through a few um, conspiracy theories and um, folklore pieces that were used to, to hurt people. Um, he talks about crystals and stuff. Dude, I'm big into crystals um, now. You haven't seen me for th- three months. I have such a collection of crystals now. Oh, I s- well, then do I have a book for you? I have, I have to sleep next to them, though, or they don't—they lose all their power. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, one that I put no. between my legs when I sleep. What's that do for um, you? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Uh, anyway. It's a fantastic book. Uh, it it was written. Well, I mean, Carl Sagan's been dead for a long time now. Um, I can't find the copyright info right now. Anyway, I won't bore you with that. Ninety six. Um, excellent book. Uh, he really addresses a lot of things. It, it helped sculpt for me uh, as a non scientist um, how we should be testing the veracity of claims. Why we should not always just take things at face value. Um, how your first conclusion uh, that you reach, especially with a knee jerk, is not always the correct conclusion. Um, it's just really good. So check it out. Buy it, not on Amazon. Buy it somewhere else. So if you want a book that's not anything like that book, I've been reading The Art of Fermentation by Sandor Katz. And it's a great hobby for quarantine because you just get to watch things rot for a while. Cool. <laughs> it's called Controlled Rot, and it's great. That's you what the book some... is called? No, it's called The Art of Fermentation. Wow. It should be called wow. okay. Controlled Rot, though. That's great. I'm going to get really good at fermentation and just write a book called Controlled Rot. Controlled Rot should be – you should call that – you should call, have a book called Controlled Rot at the same time as your uh, Tough Guy Hardcore band, Controlled Rot, yeah. releases their first EP. Yeah, we sell a book and CD combo. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, there's a B-side to the album, and it's actually just me reading the book, too. I like it. I like that. Anyway, um, let's uh, – I want to thank Kayla Little for the art that you see in the thumbnail. Like I said uh, on episode two, we had not seen it in episode one. Episode two, we saw it. We thought it was beautiful. She did an amazing job. Um, I knew she was talented, but I did not. I, I'm not an artist, and I, 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 I'm not imaginative. So uh, to see someone take you know a few vague suggestions of what we wanted to do and make something like that is, you know, I'm over the moon about it. Yeah, we also want to give thanks to Josh Engel at Native Studios for mixing and mastering all these podcasts so far. He's done a heck of a job, and um, his band Illusion of Solace just uh, hit a thousand, uh, roughly a thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. Oh wow! And uh, one of their songs is also over a thousand plays, which I also 
shameless plug for myself, also helped write some of those songs. But anyways, Josh Engel, great guy, great producer. Send him your songs. He'll make them better. <laughs> Unless they're All garbage right. to begin with, and then he can't really help you. Well, you know. Yeah. You can't, you can't turn uh, trash into gold. Unless you're one of those sites that turn trash into gold or cash for gold. Cash for gold, not trash for gold. Or an alchemist. Alchemy. Next week's topic. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm Andrew. And I'm Tyler. And we are alone in the boondocks. And we love alchemy. <laughs>